When I was a child in my Episcopal church, one of my favorite hymns was, I sing a song of the saints of God. Sing along if you know it. I sing a song of the saints of God, patient and brave and true, who toiled and fought and lived and died for the Lord they loved and knew. And one was a soldier, and one was a priest, and was, was slain by a fierce wild beast. And there's not any reason, no, not the least, why I shouldn't be one, too. Some of us at this moment feel overcome by nostalgia, others by post-traumatic stress. Unitarian Universalism doesn't have saints. While we hold in tremendous esteem pioneering Unitarians and Universalists like Ralph Waldo Emerson, Margaret Fuller, Clara Barton, Wade McCree, I don't know any Unitarian Universalist painting icons of them. By and large, I think that's progress. For one thing, our religious education teaches our children to aspire to vacations more powerful or at least more self-actualizing than being slain by fierce wild beasts. But there's a loss there, I think. It can be challenging to live a good life without inspiring role models held deeply in our hearts. Maybe that's where the Courageous Love Award comes in. The Courageous Love Award was established last year by the Standing on the Side of Love campaign of the Unitarian Universalist Association to honor those whose words and deeds exemplify the values of inclusion, diversity, community, and equality. At First Parish in Cambridge, we speak often of love. The word is prominent in our mission statement, our covenant, our hymns, prayers, and sermons. Beyond words, I believe we are truly devoted to love, however imperfectly we may live it as imperfect human beings. Courage is a word we use less often. Maybe we're intimidated by it. Maybe we're embarrassed by it. Maybe we resent its usual application to physical courage when moral courage is so much more rare and even more important. I don't often recite dictionary definitions in my sermons. While the dictionary is the right tool for precise writing, it's less helpful in the realm of spirit or, for that matter, of justice. For centuries, the dictionary defined marriage as between a man and a woman. And some folks cling to that definition as if it were the rock of ages, when it was really just a passing phase. But I looked up courage in the dictionary, and I'm glad I did. Courage, says Merriam-Webster, is mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. 
For some of us, it takes courage just to get out of bed in the morning. It takes courage to shake off the pall of depression, discouragement, grief, bitterness, or shame. It takes courage just to wash our faces, brush our teeth, and blink our eyes in the sunlight. It takes courage to drag ourselves to church on a Sunday morning. And God bless you for doing it. But this morning we celebrate a different order of courage. The courage we honor this morning is the courage of Harriet Tubman, not content to secure her own freedom from slavery, but returning 19 times to the South to rescue over 300 passengers on the Underground Railroad. It's the courage of Mother Jones standing up to mine owners and their private armies, jailed multiple times, even threatened with execution by a military court for organizing for the rights and dignity of working people. It's the courage of Mahatma Gandhi staring down the rifle barrels of the British soldiers to liberate his people until an assassin cut him down. It's the courage of Danish Gentiles risking their lives to harbor Danish Jews from the Nazis and transport them to safety in Sweden. It's the courage of John Lewis leading voting rights demonstrators across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama, where they were attacked by state troopers on Bloody Sunday. It's the courage of Harvey Milk defying death threats to win election to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the first openly gay candidate in California history, only to be assassinated by fellow supervisor Dan White. That's courage. But perhaps the most courageous part of love is not even the courage to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but the courage not to hate. The courage to remember the humanity of our opponents, even those who persecute us, and to endeavor not so much to defeat them as to change their hearts. As Unitarian Universalists, we honor the inherent worth and dignity of every person. We hold sacred the interdependent web of existence in which all people partake. We fight passionately for justice. We seek to expand the circle of compassion infinitely. And we cast no one outside that circle of compassion, no matter their fear, their hatred, even their violence. Last Valentine's Day, we gave our first Courageous Love Award to the student immigrant movement in recognition of their leadership for the rights and dignity of immigrant students. This year, following the recommendation of our Social Justice Council, our standing committee voted unanimously to award our second Courageous Love Award to Nancy Nangeroni, an MIT-degreed engineer, community activist, writer, speaker, media producer. Nancy Nangeroni chairs the Massachusetts Transgender Political Coalition, 
which played a crucial role in passing the Massachusetts Transgender Equal Rights Act, for which I know many of you advocated, wrote letters, testified, demonstrated. For decades, Nancy has been a national leader in the movement for transgender rights and the rights of free gender expression and identity for everyone. While encouraging and empowering transgender people, she calls all of us to justice, compassion, and self-inquiry. On November 28, 1998, Rita Hester, a transgender African-American woman, was murdered in Alston. It was yet another brutal link in a chain of murders of transgender people that had been treated dismissively by police because transgender lives were deemed disposable. Nancy Nangeroni said, enough. Nancy said, not this time. Nancy said, never again. Within a week, she organized a mass meeting at Arlington Street Church, our sibling Unitarian Universalist congregation, from which hundreds of people spilled into the streets for a candlelight march and vigil. This vigil inspired the International Transgender Day of Remembrance, now celebrated all over the world. It was Nancy's genius and determination that seized the moment and changed the world. I now invite Standing Committee Chair Chris McElroy to present Nancy with our Courageous Love Award. Nancy, today we honor your courageous love as we pledge you ours. We celebrate your dedicated service and your years of service to the transgender community. We acknowledge with gratitude your critical role in passing the Transgender Equal Rights Act. We appreciate your years of perseverance in educating the general public about transgender life and issues. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for calling us to be our highest selves. We offer you our support and join you in standing on the side of love. On behalf of First Parish in Cambridge, Unitarian Universalist, I present you with this Courageous Love Award. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. You're very kind. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's, it's, I wanna just, in the few minutes I have here, I wanna just try to communicate as best I can uh, what it's been like, where we came from and where we are today. Um, 
for the longest time. And, and I want to thank you all again, um, everyone um, here. And there are a lot of people that, um, in the city of Cambridge and beyond, that uh, were a huge part of all of this. Um, I just certainly didn't organize that vigil by myself. And uh, nothing that I did, did I do by myself. <clears throat> Excuse me, it was all partnership and collaboration, and that really is the root of the success that we've had with the transgender movement, and which will hopefully keep propelling us forward. Um, I wanted to talk about where we came from briefly. When I was closeted for a long time as a crossdresser most of my life, I always wondered, who's going to love me? If I'm honest about who I am, who will love me? Because nobody wants a guy that cross-dresses, and I wanted to be a woman besides, and that just made it seem impossible. Who will love me? And then when I came out, first into the transgender community, and then into the larger community, I, got my, I had my story on the front page of the Cambridge Chronicle. And lo and behold, I found that there were a lot of people out there who would show me love. And um, my work from that point forward was propelled by the loving support of the people around me. And more by strangers than by people I knew. People like you who I hadn't met before who would say, you know what, good for you that you are seeking dignity and respect for yourself and people like you, and I support you in that. And so it's been people like you from the beginning who've made all the progress that we've made possible. Um, we used to have an organization, still sort of exists, but those of us who were um, affluent enough um, committed ourselves to flying around the country to sites where transgender people were being treated unjustly. There were places where transgender people were being railroaded into prison, places where transgender people had been murdered, and there was no accounting for those murders. And so we organized ourselves under the banner of the transsexual menace. The transsexual menace, to us it was a joke, as if we could be a menace, the few of us that were out there, we were the ones who were being preyed upon. We were hardly a menace. So to us, it was very much tongue-in-cheek. But our motto for this transsexual menace, our motto was confronting with love. We would go out and we would stand on the sidewalk in front of a courthouse or in a city square, and we would demonstrate with our signs. And to everybody we spoke to, we showed respect and kindness, even to those people who didn't agree with us, to people who laughed at us or who flipped us the bird or yelled obscenities at us. We didn't lose our composure. We reflected a love and acceptance of, for them for where they were, even if they were opposed to us. And so by doing that, we melted away the resistance. People didn't get their backs up against us. They recognized our humanity, that we were simply people of dignity seeking to lead our lives with respect, just like everyone else. 
And so, fast forward a long ways, everything's changed. When I first came out, it was me and a few other people that were willing to be visible. Everybody was afraid of being identified as transgender because of what would happen to you. If you did, it meant losing your job and, and housing and perhaps um, being a victim of violence and so on. Fast forward now, whole congregations are, are stepping forward to say, we honor and respect you for your struggles and for the way that you've conducted yourselves. And we couldn't be more appreciative of that. We now, we have a transgender equal rights law in Massachusetts, and that's a great thing. Thanks. But, and there's a big but, for the first time in this state, a, a group of people were added to the equal rights laws on the books, and the equal rights is written, it, it appears in a bunch of different places in the laws. It says you can't discriminate in employment on the basis of race, creed, color, so forth. Now it, now it says sexual orientation and gender identity. And so there's a good dozen places in the law where that shows up. Well, it shows up under public accommodations. And we ran into tremendous, tremendous resistance to being included in public accommodation. Now, public accommodations means going into a store. It means being in a city park. It means uh, going to a hotel. It means using a restroom. Well, some people really got it in their craw that they didn't want transgender people using restrooms. Now, I don't know about you, but I do use the restroom. And we always do. But for the first time in Massachusetts, there was an exclusion when a equal rights law was passed. For the first time, we were not giving, given full rights. We were given rights except public accommodations. So the fight goes on. We'll fight for public accommodations inclusion. We will fight to be treated with the same dignity and respect that anybody else would want accorded to them. And I'm here to ask you for your support in that fight moving forward. And that support will take the form of just listening. And if you hear somebody saying something about a bathroom bill, please tell them it is not a bathroom bill. This is a bill about dignity, and public accommodations, and the worth of every individual, and it has nothing to do with bathrooms other than that people need to use them. So thank you very much. I so much appreciate this.